Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well. And we are heading into week 15 on a Saturday in the NFL, which you got to love. College football season's coming to an end, so the NFL likes to take advantage and make some more money on their Saturday games. So, hey, no complaints here. And we'll talk about Colts, Pats tonight, and a lot of other uh, big storylines in the NFL. But before, as you can see, it's not just me here today. He's, uh, we talked, I think, the first podcast of the NFL season uh, he was on, and he's back now after after a long hiatus, but I'm glad we could we could do this. But uh, I'm joined by Adam Beers, and Adam, uh, how are things? And good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to be on again. No, it's been a busy uh, busy few months, so I, again, I would like to get on earlier, but uh, I'm glad to be here today. we got a lot to catch up on, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for for making the time. I know you're busy with uh, with, with with obviously your job and kids and everything else. Uh, you know, a lot more responsibilities than my uh, seven pound dog. So I, uh, <laughs> no, this actually, is fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think we should start with with the man of the hour or the man of the uh, four months because that's how long uh, his tenure lasted in Jacksonville. And that would be Mr. Urban Meyer. And uh, obviously he was fired uh, Thursday night in the uh, 12.30 p.m. slot, which is the news dump of all news dumps. Uh, Who who reads that story? But I want to get your take on Urban getting fired after such a short tenure and kind of all the the aftermath of, of, you know, his stint in Jacksonville. Well, to me, that story since day one was it's been fascinating, really, for me. Uh, I've enjoyed kind of watching this unfold and continue to uh, initially, you know, there was a bit of drama at the start with the Tim Tebow being invited to camp, which is, again, not necessarily the best way to start to build the team uh, doing favors and buddy, buddy. But it just continued to get worse. Like there was one thing after another that I thought, okay, you know what? He made a few mistakes. He's going to correct his behavior. But he just continued to, I, I, I don't know if he thought he was a, oblivious to any accountability Uh, I certainly know or think that he thought he was still in the college game which essentially you can be a tyrant and you can do what you like uh, Mm -hmm. basically and your your capacity to recruit makes you a good coach right and that's the difference I always find that fascinating when a college coach comes to the NFL to see if they are successful Um, when you have the capacity like Urban Meyer did you can basically find or scout the talent Okay, and pay them, you know, their their degree and stuff to come in and, and cover your mistakes as a coach, essentially. And if right. you don't like it, you get somebody else. But the NFL game is different. You have to know your X's and O's. You have to be a good coach. And I think maybe a lot of this kind of foolishness shows or highlights to us that he wasn't really an X and O guy. He wasn't really a good coach. He was just a tyrant that could basically scout, um, you know, the best recruit the best players in the country. And that's why, you know, he had such success in college. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, the stories, what do you think? What do you, uh, where do you stand on this whole debacle? Yeah, I um, I thought it would last a year. And I, I said when Shad Khan hired him, this is the stupidest hire of the offseason because I just said, this is not going to work. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's won cha- national championships and he's great, great coach, like like you said. But he always leaves on bad circumstances. Like he lied about his assistant coach being involved in a sexual assault allegation that he did not know about it. Later, it turns out, oh, wait, he did know about it. And he was covering for the coach. And not a great look. Um, and at Florida, he left because of a, a scandal. So I, I just said, Jacksonville, you're, you just got the number one overall pick. You have an opportunity to, to grow this player. It, it's finally an attractive landing spot because as a coach, you get to coach Trevor Lawrence, who's just at Clemson. You know, he's the, the next great you know, quarterback prodigy. And I I just from the start, all the drama, him not coming flying home from the Thursday night football game, going to the bar and the, the video with, with the woman there and him. I mean, kicking, I get it. Kickers are not given as much respect as uh, <laughs> the other positions, but you can't kick a human being. I mean, imagine he did he did that to a D lineman. I mean, I heard Damian Woody talk this week on the mothership. He said if, if somebody had done that to me, I would have wrung his neck. Like and oh, he like, picked I, his spot there for sure. Right? Yeah. I, I, In his I comments, just, where I can do whatever I want. 
right? I'm the coach. Right. So I can do whatever I want. So, I mean, th- to me, that's a college, me- that's a college coach mentality. Right. That you have kids, essentially, that you've recruited that. And again, a lot of the college athletes are coming from okay, places that this is their one shot. This is their chance to get out of poverty or to make right. a name for themselves or to like the education is second. So this, you know, when you're in that position and you have that much on the line as a college kid, you're going to basically do whatever you're told, right? In order to kind of stay mm-hmm. with the program and to, you know, to get your get your time on the field. But you talk about the professional game, kicker or not, I mean, you can't be doing that to your players. And it's it shows to me how narcissistic and and really like he's a troubled guy in a sense. Yeah. I I I I, I just don't think he's a very good person, Adam. Like, I think this is just telling us he's not a very good guy. And the fact that a 22-year-old rookie quarterback had to be like, yeah, the drama needs to stop for us to win, that he had to be the mature adult in the room tells you that, you know, there's something's wrong. You know, I, I that, that obviously I think uh, Trevor's kind of a mature guy. I mean, you listen to him speak. He's very well-spoken. He's uh, I think he's a thoughtful guy. But the fact that, you know, the 57-year-old has to be coddled and has to be told, like, could we – could you put James Robinson on the field, our best running back? Could could you please and maybe not run him five times a game and make me drop back and pass 40 when our offensive line has the second worst pass block win rate in the NFL? I mean, this is just basic things, but maybe give me a, you know, a hand here. And I think this can only help Trevor Lawrence. The fact that Urban's gone against this four, Daryl Bevel will finish out the year. I don't expect him to be the head coach. Um, now that that job's open, uh, there'll be a new head coach. Do you have any names that come to mind for you that you would like to see take that position? Anybody but Urban Myers. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Again, just to go back quickly to one of the points you made, like Trevor Lawrence should be the story this year. Like yes. he should be like, you should not really even know Jacksonville's head coach. Like that's the thing with him. And I think you're right. I think this is an opportunity. This is hopefully a good, it's early enough that Trevor Lawrence can be salvaged. Not that he's, needs to be salvaged but the the owner made the right decision there was a lot of money he couldn't afford not to fire urban myers at this point Mm -hmm. so to me it was this is still an opportunity to reset start over again get through this season and then i think your next coaching hire has to be a good one i haven't Mm -hmm. really spent time thinking about who that could be i've just been kind of so caught up in the urban myers drama i have one Uh, for you all right let's hear it i think that i think you'll like can i guess yeah, I was just gonna, Detroit Lions former coach Jim Schwartz. Caldwell. Yeah, oh, Caldwell. Jim Caldwell, Ooh. former Detroit Lion. Um, he's dealt with a team that was not very good. I mean, he got the Detroit Lions to a nine and seven winning record, and then they fired him the year after when he went seven and nine, which is still mind boggling to me that they there's they just had to hire Coach Pencil that bad, uh, which is another <laughs> another puzzler. But I, I think Caldwell, he did well in Miami, taking over for Tony Dungy. He kept them stable for a long time. Uh, again, he was successful in Detroit. And I think he knows how to deal with with young people. And I think you need a leader. Urban wasn't a leader. I just think having a having, you know, he can come in. He's a defensive-minded coach. But if you can hire a really good OC, then it really doesn't matter. You have a great OC, you have your head coach, and then you know, Mike Tomlin's not dealing with the offense. You know, right. Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator. Uh, but I, 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 Jim Caldwell came to mind for me as a good, good hire. Well, and again, what I like about Caldwell in this circumstance is that he's a, he's a meat and potatoes guy that you're not going to hear from. I mean, no. you know, you even watch him on the sidelines and he's very calm. He's very collected. I think he, he deals with his business internally in the dressing room and in the locker room. So, I mean, that's almost exactly what they need here. Uh, right. Again, just kind of switch the focus in Jacksonville back to their, possible star you know star of the league quarterback and and go from there i think that's i don't necessarily think they need a um a movie star kind of name hiring i think yeah they just (laughs) they just i think caldwell that that makes sense that would be a nice fit just thinking about it here off the top of my head he's the kind of calm i guess that you would need going into that situation that's been chaos all year right um, yeah, so Jacksonville right now, two wins. They got four games left. We'll see. They'll be picking in the, the top five again, but hopefully that can help the next head coach. We're going to get to the Thursday night football game, but I have to ask you the, the Lions question because you are a resident Lions fan. Uh, 
Dan Campbell, first year as a head coach. You got Jared Goff. They got their first win a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, you knew it wasn't going to be a great season, but as a new head coach, what do you think of Dan Campbell and kind of how he's run the, the ship so far? Well, I mean, I wasn't hopeful at the start of the season. I, you know, said two or three, four wins maybe at most. And, I mean, they're living up to that expectation. I still think Campbell needs some time. I think it's really dangerous with any coach to just – have a, a small sample size of anything uh, mm -hmm. and understand that they are in a position, they're a young team. Uh, I don't think that they're looking at Jared Goff as the future. This is a holdover. And again, when they decided to trade Stafford, I was committed to the rebuild, which is going to be three, four, five years uh, down the road. So am I disappointed that they're one? Well, at this point, I'm kind of rooting for them to get the first overall pick. Uh, right. But I kind of knew that going in. But I think you have to give coaches time. I think any system, whether it's any any facet of life, you need, in order to change culture, in order to change the program, you need to have time. And I think we're in a, in a world today in sports especially that if it's not instant, you're gone, whether you're the quarterback, whether you're the running back, wide receiver, or the coach. Um, so there's, there's some chinks in his armor. You know, he's not necessarily uh, – he's different. Let's say that he's very different yeah. as, a, as a different approach. But I mean, again, that's kind of refreshing too. We often complain that, you know, everything's cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. Dan Campbell is not cookie cutter in terms of his approach. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him time and hopefully, you know, give him two or three or four years if that's the case. And we'll see from there. But it, you can't really, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken turds, so to speak. Right. Like I mean, <laughs> they aren't that great. No. So, what, what, um, where do you stand on him? What do you think? I, think I like the his passion. Thing, yeah. Yeah. I think the best thing you can say about him is that his players want to play for him. You can tell. Like, they care. Like, when they won that game, Jared Goff ran to Dan Campbell. You know, and I just think he, you know, the whole crying thing, I could have not had that. Like, I think that was a bit of a hero move when he's crying on the podium, but I didn't crocodile tears a little bit for me but maybe that's just the, the heartless man that i am no um, i don't like that either i don't like but that. he they care you know they want to play for him i think you comparing it to our last topic urban meyer when they won games they didn't even look that happy like it's just like oh great we have to go shake hands with urban and you know this cranky old bastards uh on the sideline or dan campbell yeah he you know he does some weird things bites some kneecaps off and and all that but they care. If you're going to be a bad team, at least you know you're going to compete every week, which they have. They've been in a lot of close games. And, um, you know, he, he gets them to play hard. That's the best thing you could say about a team that's not very good. Well, and, and to me, what, what you see, like, again, nice contrast between Urban Myers. But there's nothing harder. There's no harder team to coach than, than a team that is winless. Like, how right. do you keep those guys grinding on the practice field? How do you guys keep those, keep those guys buying in? on the field the system follow the system this is going to work it's going to work like in a sense it's much harder to be that coach and i think urban myers part of his failure was he's never experienced that end of football he, he was always a winner because of, of his capacity to recruit and he had you know so i think the fact that you you know the point that you make that they're still playing hard for him that is i think that's indicative of you know, he has room and he's a good coach. He's doing something right because mm -hmm. these are millionaire players that are still buying in, even though they're one 11 and one, you got to give them, you know, you got to give that some of that credit to the coach for sure. Yeah. And hopefully they can get the first overall pick and I'll be, I don't think there's a quarterback. I mean, I watch a lot of college football. I don't think there's a quarterback that's worth the number one overall pick, but there's a pretty good defensive end at Michigan that they might want to take. So we'll see. It, what gives, it gives them options, you know, if they want to trade it or move or make it. And they have the Stafford pick in the first round too. So they, yeah. have, they have multiple first rounders. Yeah. Which again, options is always good going into the draft and you know, you never know what happens 15 minutes before the name is called. Things can mm -hmm. change. So it's, it's not, it's a nice position to be in, you know, being one, two or three at the draft for sure. Right. Um, Thursday night football, uh, what a game. Uh, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Chargers down in LA. It was a back and forth affair between, I think, two quarterbacks that I, we could, I'd love to see play for the next decade because these two guys are super fun to watch. Uh, it looked, you know, in spurts like the Chargers had the game. Brandon Staley, uh, is the fourth down king. Uh, he loves to gamble. Um, 
they lose the game and they could have had nine points when they, but they gamble on fourth down three times and get, didn't pick it up. I wanted to ask you about his philosophy as a head coach. Did do you have an issue with him going for on fourth down that much and not settling for field goals? I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. And again, what I like, just even reading the clippings and stuff this week, everybody's just hammering him because of his choices. Oh, you could have won. Well, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That yeah. he, and he's this isn't a new philosophy to him. This is from day one. He says, I want the ball. We're going to use it fourth down and we're going to push forward. A, if he didn't have the horses to do it, I would have an issue. If he, this right. was uh, Sally in New York doing that, I'd say, no, you're, you know, come on. He's got you're the guys idiot. that can do it. Um, and I love the fact that he's pushing the envelope, that he's kind of changing the game a little bit. He's making other he's making other teams adjust to that philosophy, right? Which is, I think that is good. I think we want that in sports. So I have kind of an issue with the papers this week and online and kind of the, oh, he, you know, we had nine points on the board and you kept throwing for the fourth down, you know? Well, it's not as though it's something new. That's that's his philosophy. He does the analytics. He based, bases it on, you know, that element of the game. And you can't knock a guy for trying. And it's not as though it's something that he just threw out there on Thursday night to get some attention. This is the right. philosophy and he has the tools that can do it. They just couldn't catch the ball. That was yeah. the problem. It would have worked though. The, mm -hmm. the ball was in the, the wide receivers hands. Most times in those plays, they just couldn't handle the ball. So, you know, that goes back to the execution, not necessarily the game plan. That's how I see it. I like it. What about you? Yeah, I I'm totally with you. And I, I think Mina Khan's of the mothership made a good point yesterday. She says, People only have a problem with this when it when it doesn't work. Like on, when four, when people gamble on fourth down, that's never a story. You know they don't talk about how how great you are at it. And there's Chargers have been a good team. You don't hear about it until it doesn't work. Yeah, and I think you also got to factor in your opponent. You're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been to back to back Super Bowls. You don't beat them with three. You beat them with seven. And I think you keep okay, you keep getting field goals. The Chiefs were just chalking up that deep. Travis Kelsey looked like Tyreek Hill. He, he did. He looked running, good. Running, 69-yard catch. He's all down the field. And you got to take chances against really good teams. And, again, like you said, if it was Zach Wilson and Michael Carter, two rookies that you're gambling on fourth down with the Jets, yeah, of course, don't, don't do that because you're an idiot. Uh, but you have Justin Herbert. You're throwing the ball to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, sure-handed normally, like you said, wide receivers that just, you know, had a bucket of chicken before the game and they dropped a, a few. Yeah. And um, I, I have no problem with, there's also that play in the back of the end zone that was super scary where, where Parham Jr. hit his head and he was taken off on the stretcher. That, that was a fourth down play as well. And uh, thankfully he's okay. He's been released from the hospital, looked a lot worse than it was, but I think you got to take chances to win. And if you're the Chargers, you are the underdog. You are the redheaded stepchild of this division when it comes to the Chiefs. You got to take some chances to augment yourself. And if they would have won that game, they'd be first right now in the division. And, yeah. And they, didn't. and they would, oh, what a genius coach. Yeah. What a great <laughs> strategy. That's, you know, in, in next game, next week, when they're playing the Chiefs, they're going to say, well, are you going to use this strategy that was used? <laughs> so, again, I don't like, that bothers me either you you like it or you don't and like you said at the start like if it would have worked it's perfect so again that's that's something that kind of drives me and it doesn't you want to see this innovation in football you want to see those the game evolve which i think you know is evident by the charges approach and it seems to be working like you said they were one win they were three minutes away from winning this yep. football game um so it worked up until the last and again it's against the best quarterback and one of the best tight ends in the game and wide receivers you know what? Hey, I, I would say they won 95% of this game. They, they should have won it. it. I think so too. Even the way they played with that risky kind of taking the fourth and using it. Yeah. I like it. But I don't know. It was a couple of years ago I read about a high school coach that did that. He never would kick. Never would kick. Yeah, he, and, yeah, he's a he's a fascinating – I know who you're talking about. And he, he just uh, resigned from his position. He was coaching at a, a Catholic school. And I think he got a – a D1 college football oh. job because he doesn't kick. He's eight times in 25 years. Like, and I that's love it. just, I love it too. Like I, especially field goal kicking now, Adam, it's so untrustworthy. 
like they the amount of times you see a kick just duck hook left and it's not even close. Like I would rather put it in my quarterback's hands or my running, whatever player you're calling. Okay, we're doing this. And just another example, like in the Super Bowl, when the Philly called the uh, the Philly special play and they threw the ball to Nick Foles, that was a fourth down. That was, and imagine it didn't work, but it right. did. You have to sometimes right. you have to take the risk for if you win the ultimate reward. The Eagles won the Super Bowl in that situation. Yep, it's the old uh, risk is the elixir of the gods, so to speak. Like it's great glory or it's great failure. It's it's right. either or. So again, I I enjoy that part of the game. I do enjoy like again just on a side note, like with hockey with Zegris and Milano that last mm. week. Like I love that. You know, it was awesome. Yes. It was nice to see that taking that risk. So. It's uh, definitely, you know, I, I love the game. It was a roller coaster oh. back and forth. Yeah. Like it felt like a playoff. It felt like a Super Bowl game, really. Yeah. Um, well, that's where the Super Bowl is this year. So far. No, well, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. No, it was it definitely was enjoyable. I think Kansas City, they're they're clicking again. They mm-hmm. looked kind of bad early on, but they're they're going to be dangerous. But again, the Chargers are the Chargers are there. We can talk about that after. But I think there's yeah. a lot. Of, uh, there's a lot Kansas, to be City's, yet. Kansas City's scary because they like Kelsey nearly had 200 yards receiving uh, Thursday night. Get and Mahomes is clicking again. Yeah. Again and yeah, I w- I wouldn't want to play them come playoff time. That's for sure. And Kelsey was. Do you see the final touchdown? He was barely getting across that line. He was so exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell he was just running out of gas. But I mean, look, for a big man, he runs. He's great. yeah. He's a quick guy. He's a yeah. quick. He's um. You think like we're, we're still watching two of the best tight ends. You could maybe argue the best two tight ends ever with Gronk and with Kelsey. Uh, and I I think it'd be interesting to see how like, in the Pantheon where Kelsey finishes when it comes to mm-hmm. tight ends. You know, Shannon Sharp was really good. Uh, Kellen Winslow is another guy that yeah, a lot of people talk about. But he, you know, Tony Gonzalez. But he's – Kelsey's damn good too. Like he's well, He's a game breaker. The position has changed even so much, yeah. I find. Um, that literally they are like almost an option first option at times, the yep. tight ends. You know, that's you know, it's it's interesting to see that evolution of that position too. Yeah, I mean you look at Garoppolo, his first read is always uh, George Kittle. Yeah. And you know, they can make as good at catches as wide receivers. They're so damn athletic. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's fun to watch. Yes, it is hundred percent. Um the team that's kind of jockeying with the Chiefs for the top spot in the AFC is a team I know you're not a big fan of, and that would be the New England Patriots. And, you know, it looked like after their 1-4 and four start, this team is cratering. Finally, Bill Belichick, the genius, looks like the uh, lowercase goat, uh, not the uppercase goat uh, when it comes to coaches. But suddenly they're 9-4. and four. They uh, they beat the Bills running the ball 48 times a week and change ago. Mac Jones looks like the best rookie quarterback of the class so far. Their defense is playing like the Pats defenses of old when Brady was just a run-of-the-mill quarterback in the early 2000s, and they were top five defenses winning championships. Um, what do you, Before we get to the game tonight, what do you make of the Patriots and how they've turned it around this season? Again, I think we thought that would happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. earlier. It was, you know, a couple of years. It's been the debate. Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? It was both. It's clearly it was both of them together that kind of created that dynasty. Um, I I wasn't sleeping on the Pats early in the season. I did think that they were dangerous. Uh, I was surprised at the slow start. Uh, but they've, again, it's kind of like giving coaches time to put mm-hmm. infrastructure together, to put a team together, to put a culture together. It takes time. For those things to kind of click and what we're seeing is we're seeing that with new england that it's clicking uh defensively they look like the the bears of old you know you mm-hmm. can't you can't get anything by them and mac jones looks i don't know if mac jones looks good in the scheme and the system or is mm-hmm. he kind of that good i i wouldn't i wouldn't be sure if you put fields in there in that system it would be the same thing i don't know right. if he's a product of his environment kind of like golf was in with the chargers uh, but they do look good. And t- yeah, this game, I don't think it's going to be as close as maybe people think, but mm. we can talk about that too. But I'm, I'm impressed with the Pats. I, I definitely felt they were better than Miami going into the year. Yeah. I thought Miami had a lot to prove, but I did think the Bills were better. 
So they uh, that was a great game too. The Bills Pats, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Pats would be a playoff team for sure, but I didn't think the Bills would be so disappointing, which they have been uh, at seven and six. And but I they're dangerous for sure because I think Mac is Mac Jones is average, but again, you get the right scheme, you get competent coaching which uh, unfortunately Justin Fields doesn't have in Chicago, uh, <laughs> which you can tell what I think of Matt Gay. So I mean, Matt Nagy uh, and uh, <laughs> they're, they're the same guy. They're cousins, I think. Um, but I, I their defense, Matt Judon, I think might've been the best free agent acquisition of the off season. That guy's playing like a freight train. I mean, you can't block him. Adrian Phillips in the back end. I love their defense. And again, their offensive guys, they just they just do enough. You know, they don't have that elite, elite wide receiver, but they throw it around. Hunter Henry, uh, John New Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. And again, their running game with a two-headed monster with Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, another rookie, is great. And I do think tonight's game between the Colts and Patriots is going to be close. So do you are you expecting a blowout for the Patriots? I'm not, no, not a blowout, but I think if both are coming off a bye, again, right. the Colts, like this kind of reincarnation of Carson Wentz, kind of out of nowhere of late, is I don't trust it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't trust it. No. So with that being said, too, is if I was the Pats, I would say, okay, we're going to let Carson Wentz beat me. If he can beat us, we'll give you the win, but we're shutting down Jonathan Taylor. Right. That's That would be my approach. And, again, they don't give up any points. I know Indy, Indy's offense is really good, but – I, I just think Bill Belichick, what he does, if you throw with your left hand, he's going to take your left hand away and make you throw with the right. right. So having the bye week to get ready for, and again, Wentz, I don't have a lot of confidence yet. I still, I don't know, you know, if it's a mirage, this kind of resurgence, but Indy's team as a whole, I like Indy's team, mm-hmm. uh, but I think New England will will shut the running game down or focus in on that and let, let Carson Wentz beat them. And I think... I don't think they'll do it. Yeah, Where you stand on the game. That's completely fair. I, I have the same philosophy. You know, load the box early and say, okay, if you can run through it, run through it. But we're not going to – yeah, Jonathan Taylor, who is a beast, now that Derrick Henry's, I think, is the best running back in football. Okay, try to beat us. But, yeah, Carson Wentz, I have the same as you. I he Carson Wentz is at his best when he's a Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's a Kirk Cousins, when he throws the ball 20 to 24 times a game. And it's – Okay, great running game, play action. You could even put a guy like Matthew Stafford in that in that uh, in that scheme for me because it's quarterbacks are at their best when they have a run game because then you you saw Stafford on Monday night. He Sony Michelle didn't carve up the Cardinals, but he did enough so that Matthew Stafford could run the play action, could run the bootlegs, and that opened up big plays down the field. Where Carson Wentz does have a big arm. And he, he can throw it down the field with ease to guys like Pittman Jr., who are great receivers. But I don't want him hit like Carson Wentz throwing 50 times a game is a recipe for failure. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are in that same position. Dak Prescott comes to mind as well. The Cowboys lose, you know, they are uh the Cowboys are 30 and 0 when they run the ball more than they pass in, D- in Dak Prescott's career. They are below that uh when when he throws the ball more than he than they run. So I, it, it does concern me, but I do think tonight's game is going to be close. I think, I, I think it's a touchdown or less game for me. And I just think the Colts can make some plays on defense too, to potentially keep it close, maybe with a turnover or two. Yeah. I, to me for this game, Wentz isn't the X factor. It's Taylor. Uh, yes. so he can, if he can run the ball, like he's been doing, I think they'll keep it close a touchdown, a field goal, you know, something like that. If the Pats can shut him down, that's when I think it could, again, New England don't necessarily put up the most points, but mm-hmm. they, they're so efficient at closing and shutting down good offenses that I think it'll be maybe a little tighter, but it might not look, uh, that way when you're watching it. it might look as a holy jumpins, you know, New England's dominating, but they're only up by a touchdown or 10 points or whatever. It's going to be a good game for sure. Um, Wentz, yeah, I, I, I don't really know where he's at. Uh, he's, he's a curiosity for sure. But yeah, New England, are they're good. They're going to be a, they're a dangerous team for sure. We're, uh, 
in the playoffs, do you think the Colts could do some damage if they make the playoffs? Uh, they wouldn't be one of my teams that I would maybe raise the alarm bells with. But right. again, I always kind of go back to Andrew Luck. And I know that's how many years ago was that? Two or three years ago? So yeah, two, like, they, were, they were on the precipice then. Mm-hmm. And these guys are a couple years older in terms of their team. It's just the Wentz factor that I kind of discredit the team now. Uh, and again, maybe they're better than I think they are. But it's because I think of Wentz as that kind of team captain in terms of if it was luck, it would be different. Right. Uh, but they're, what do you think about their offense and defense? Are they legit? I, I just look at if the playoffs ended today, Indy would play Tennessee. And without Derrick Henry, I think Indy would win that game. And so that gives them to the divisional round. I think it would be close, but I, without Derrick Henry, Tennessee's just not the same team. I, I like Ryan Tannehill, but again, he's kind of like a Carson Wentz. I think he's better uh, personally, but I, I think they're close. And but you look around like Baltimore's beat to hell, and they I don't trust them to do anything in the playoffs personally. Uh, in that mix, there's Buffalo. Who the hell knows? I mean Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, and I think they showed some. They had a moral victory in that second half last week against Tampa Bay, but moral victories are worth about as much as uh you know, you name it, nothing. Right. So so I, I just think the AFC is so top heavy with the Chiefs and Patriots. After that, it gets a little thing because you have the Chargers who don't have any playoff experience and they choke in big games. Baltimore's beat the hell. Tennessee's beat up. You got Buffalo. I mean, is Cincinnati going to make the playoffs? Is Cleveland? So I, I just think there's there's opportunity for a team like the Colts to potentially go farther than people might think. Okay. Yeah. Again, I would agree there is that opportunity. I, to me, when you say, like, are they going to do damage? It's like, okay, these are, this is a good team coming in, like a Baltimore, one of the late, later seeds, and, like, has a real shot at winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they could make some upsets in the playoffs. But, I mean, if you beat Tennessee, is that a major upset? You know what I mean? Like, if you mm-hmm. beat Tennessee in the first round of the playoffs, hmm. but if they go in and, you know, upset, I don't know, somebody. Of, yeah, then that's. That would be interesting. Right. I don't know. Uh, the Colts have a poor history with New England. Yeah. It would be great to see them beat them in the playoffs. I would love yeah. that. That would make me very happy. Yeah. But uh, I think the playoff picture is really interesting because yeah. I think there's a lot of really good teams in there, right. and it's really wide open. Um, and it's something that I think Indy, yeah, they could be. You know, they could make it two two rounds based mm-hmm. on the teams that I'm seeing in there and. and Again, the quality of teams and then that lower half. There's only a couple that I'm not really sold on that are in the playoff picture. Right. Um, so to you, is is it Kansas City, New England at, at the top tier and then everybody else kind of just, just around the same? Uh, in the overall, you mean? Like in or the AFC. Like, in the AFC. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's can't like Kansas City, again, is the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt about it. But New England is is a possibility who who's sitting third right now tennessee tennessee yeah not a not a big deal there who else is who's fourth again let me just bring it up here. yeah i think I, I think they're i'm calling it right now they're not making the playoffs yeah i'm starting to feel the same way i don't but, think they're gonna make it but the thing is i thought cincinnati was gonna win the vision for weeks and they just keep crapping their pants week yeah. after week so i'm like i yeah, let's dive into the AFC North. Like this division, my God, it looked like such a strength. And now it's teetering, teetering, teetering. You got the Steelers who are still in it somehow, even though they, oh my God. Six, six, and one with, with Big Ben and the crew there. Like still can't run the football. Their O-line stinks. But Chase Claypool, our fellow Canadian, is doing more and more dumb things on the field. Then you have Cincinnati who <laughs> Stays in games, but they either get blown out or they lose it late. You know, classic Cincinnati. Cleveland, seven and six. COVID's racked. Baker Mayfield's got every injury you could possibly think of, known to man. Uh, and again, the team's not that good. And then Baltimore is no DBs. Lamar Jackson might not play tomorrow and they play the Packers anyway. I don't think they're beating them if Lamar's there or not. But who's winning this division, Adam? Who's going to come out of this division and win it? It's the <laughs> NFC of last year. Remember, like Dallas and no. New York, they wouldn't take it. Well, this is the same thing with this division this year, the AFC North. I went through and I looked at the the remaining schedule. 
Right. And what I come up with is Baltimore nine and eight, Cleveland okay. nine and eight, Cincinnati nine and eight, Pittsburgh eight, eight and one. So wow. I don't know who wins the division. <laughs> like it, it, then it's based on divisional games, which I think Baltimore might have the edge in thus mm-hmm. far. Or I don't know. I didn't go that far into it to right. check like who win loss against each other. But this is going to be literally like a, a death crawl to the finish line. You yeah. know what I mean? They're they're literally going to be all, you know, unless Cincinnati, to me, Cincinnati is the only outlier right. that could go on a little bit of a run. But their schedule is Denver, Baltimore, Casey, and Cleveland. So that's a tough schedule. It's tough. That's tough. Cleveland like- has Vegas, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and Cincy. Mm-hmm. So there's some tough, like, mm-hmm. I think they're going to take two, lose two, and you're yeah. going to have this kind of jumbling at the end. And then it would be based on interdivisional games, correct? Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't know what goes on after that if there's a, still a tie. Yeah. Steel, if the Steelers could beat the Titans this week, that would be a massive victory for them. If they could find a way to win that game, that might springboard them because they could do have a really – imagine if the Steelers win that division? <laughs> <laughs> It would be funny. It'd be good content for me. I'll tell you that. But yeah, they got the Chiefs after that. That's that's a loss. That's uh, a loss. Cleveland, coin toss, uh, and then Baltimore. They could win that game. Like they and could. I had them eight, eight and one because they have a tie in there too, don't they? Yeah, they tied your Lions. Okay, that might be. That, that might, might crush be, them. That yeah. might crush them. So, but it's tight, and and the schedules yeah. on those teams look really, really like maybe 500 records all the way through. If Lamar is back, I think that changes the story solely based right. on, but is he playing this week? They said it's still up in the air. If I, if I'm Baltimore, I I'm losing this week anyway. I mean, that's, that's not what you want to say in a competitive sport. Yeah. You're not beating green Bay. You're not right. like they're, they're playing as good as anybody right now. Lamar's going to, I'd rather have him get healthy Come back next week. You got, I think after that, you just got division games left. Go win those games. That's the most, yeah. that's what you need to win. Take it on the chin this week. Tyler Huntley, go do what you got to do. Uh, you know, play some football for 60 minutes and who, leave. Who is yeah. it? Playoffs. And then win your division games because that's how you make the playoffs is if you win your division down the stretch, take a week off, prepare for Cincinnati. That's your biggest game of the season because I think they're the, you're, they're the biggest threat to you when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. No, I think that's that's smart. To me, I was kind of factoring Lamar wouldn't be back maybe. Right. Uh, but again, with that one game cushion, and if Lamar just takes another week, I think Baltimore will take it. But if you know if he doesn't come back, then that could create some fireworks. Is Baker playing this week or is it Case Keenum? Sorry. Well, it as a, it got – I don't know if you saw, but the game got moved to Monday. Okay. I think it was supposed to play today. Yeah, uh, the game got moved to Monday at six because Cleveland had like twenty five players in COVID protocol, okay. and that, that included Baker and Case Keenum. So it would have been uh, your boy Nick Mullins at quarterback. Uh, so it's really up. In, I don't know who's going to be like a couple days. Is that going to change? Who's going to be? I guess if you come back with some negative tests, who knows. Yeah. So it's really up. It could still be Nick Mullins starting on Monday, but yeah, yeah. Raiders, Raiders, Browns is now on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that again, that I for some reason I do like watching Cleveland. I enjoy their, you know, just a, <laughs> they're the dog a theater. Pound. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely. They're always entertaining. They're kind of like I don't know if you'd say like the not New York Rangers, but like one of those teams that's Anaheim. drama filled team. Yeah. Like they're. I like watching Anaheim because you you mentioned Zegers earlier. They're uh, he's fun. They got some really good players too. Yeah, yeah. Gary and Steele, and yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're up and coming. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, those that game was moved to Monday, and then the uh, Rams Seahawks was moved to Tuesday, and Eagles Washington football team was moved to Tuesday as well because of uh, COVID cases. So, so it's a marathon. We got a marathon coming up here. Yeah, I, I get it. Like we got games to we got a game tonight. We got games tomorrow. We got two Monday, two Tuesday. We got a Thursday nighter. Now they just need to throw a game Christmas Eve. I've been, I've been, I've been a person that said this for years, and I've been mostly college football, but I'll take anything. And they did put a bowl game on Christmas Eve, which I'm sure my mother won't love hearing, but any, I'm watching it. Uh, that I think they should throw a, a game every year on Christmas Eve. You know, I think the players would sign up for that if they knew they got Christmas off. Then they could stay with their family. 
throw a game on eight, nine o'clock at night. You know, I can't watch uh, Polar Express for the 85th time. I, I, that's just not my wheelhouse. And uh, I, I think it's a smart little business opportunity. Maybe we'll get it because of COVID this year. <laughs> so you're telling me that for 24 hours without sports, like you are, you're on withdrawal. Like you can't. I'm lost. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, Adam, like it, it hurts. I can only watch the urine review so many times. Like I know what's coming. I'm like, oh, February. What happened again for the fifth time <laughs> in five hours? Like That's I need awesome. something. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not watching a Christmas movie. I can watch reruns of The Office, but again, I've watched those to the. Oh, yeah, the World Junior starts the 25th, doesn't it? 26th. 25th. Oh, it's the 26th. Well, you're going to be traveling that time anyway. You're going to be in the air, so don't worry about it. Yeah, 24th I know. And 25th. It's just it's tough, you know. Oh, take the take the day. Just enjoy your family. <laughs> okay. Well, there's still a bowl game. Might watch that. Okay. Memphis, Memphis, Hawaii, good game. Um, you know, running back too. At Memphis, um, your guy Matthew Stafford, I think had the game of maybe his career. Uh, I think it was one of the more important wins of his career last week uh, for the LA Rams, and they are now a game back of the Cardinals as we head down the home stretch here. They had really gone through a skid. We had shared some texts because uh, you know you like to text me when Stafford throws deep bombs. I like to text you when he throws a pick six, which he did in three consecutive weeks. But we won't go into that. Um, but big game for the Rams, uh, Stafford clicking in all cylinders, great deep ball. I mean, he's got tons of arm talent. Aaron Donald was just <laughs> good luck. He couldn't be blocked Monday night. I mean, showing why he's still one of the best players in the NFL, but for you, where do the Rams stand in the a NFC hierarchy with all the great, the NFC, in my opinion, is loaded with some really good teams. Where do they stand when it comes to your like one, two, three, four, five of the, the best teams? Well, it's, it's, it's a coin toss for me. If They're right there. I, I know they're sitting yeah. fifth. Uh, they're behind Green Bay, Tampa, Arizona, Dallas. And then we have the, the uh, Rams. Mm -hmm. They're right there. They're, it's, you know, <clears throat> one win and they're right up at the top of the stand. They're 10 and three too, because they're nine and four now. So yeah. I don't think we can get too caught up on positioning in terms of where you are. I think Stafford has... And the, the, the Rams are doing exactly what they paid for when they brought him in and what they expected is to be in the conversation with the Tampa Bays, uh, the Arizonas, the Green Bays. They are in that conversation. And what I like about this team this year is that if they do go to cold weather, if they have to play in Green Bay, they got Stafford. You know, whereas right. Goff was kind of a warm weather quarterback, Matt Stafford. You know, I know they had the dome in Detroit, but he's you know playing Green Bay every year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and old Chicago. hat for him. So I think I think looking at it objectively, I think they would be very pleased with where they are. I think they'd be very pleased with the performance that Stafford has shown thus far. Has he had some lulls? Yes, but every quarterback does. They go up, you know, and he's kind of mm -hmm. starting to peak at the right time, right. and he doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. We'll see what he does, but. He's put his team before he can even get any experience. He has to put his team in a position to be successful in the playoffs. Arizona is having like kind of an anomalous year in terms of how good they are. So if Arizona, you know, lost there, they would be at the top of the divisions and they might get it yet. You never know. Yeah, they still could. So Arizona, <laughs> Arizona's got the Colts on Christmas and they got, I think they got the Lions this week. So that'll, that'll be a win. But, um, but yeah, the, they got some, tricky games down the stretch. And I mean, the uh, Stafford playing the the Cowboys, potentially that's how it would shape up right now in the first playoff game. It's not the worst thing in the world. Again, he's played in a dome forever. He's from, uh, you know, he's played a lot in, in Dallas. So I, I don't think that'd be the worst situation for them to play. I, I do think Dallas is a pretty good team, but you never know. The one thing I, I would worry about a little bit, I know you mentioned Stafford plays outdoors, but the Rams went to Green Bay this year and they lost. The Rams went to Green Bay last year. They lost in the playoffs. Home field is really, really advantageous. And I think for a team like Green Bay, last year was kind of an anomaly because when the Packer, uh, when the Bucks went up there, it was like 14 degrees Celsius that day. Normally in January, you're freezing your ass off up there in the frozen tundra. I, I think it, it would be tough for the Rams, maybe not Stafford, but as a team, I just think we've seen them. They kind of have a mental block going up there, and they don't really play their best football when they're in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's the 13th man for Green Bay is the weather yeah. in the stadium is always a huge advantage. 
nobody gets out of Green Bay alive more often than not, especially when Aaron Rodgers is under center. So I think that's obviously something that could factor in. But I also think that if you're going to win a championship, you have to go through Green Bay. You know, mm-hmm. in the NFC, you have to go through Green Bay. So if that's the team's demise, that you know, I, I'll be disappointed. I won't be disappointed. I don't really particularly like the, the, the Rams that much, but I do like Stafford. I think, you know, his experience and what he brings to it might give them a little bit of a advantage. But Green Bay is hard. You put the Chiefs in Green Bay and it's, you know, they're going to have mm-hmm. a tough time. So it's, uh, it could be a factor, but I think that's a factor for any team. You know, in Green Bay, at top of the division, if they, they, they look like they're going to have home field throughout the playoffs, that's going to be something in order to win. you got to overcome that. So if they're going to win, they have to overcome that. One of many tasks, but that's one that, you know, that's part of it. That's football, January, February football. Who, who's your favorite out of the NFC to get to the Super Bowl if the season ended today? I think on our first podcast, I think I took Green Bay. I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So I'm going to stick with Green Bay. Again, I'd like to see, again, t- anything but Tampa. How's that? <laughs> I'll take anything but Tampa Bay. Yeah. So again, I like Arizona. I like to watch Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas, too. It's always a good story. I'm not a big Dallas fan, but, you know, mm-hmm. any anybody but Tampa. I don't care. Yeah, really. unfortunately, I'm going to be a buzzkill here for you. Oh. Because, um, yeah, I – when we did our first podcast, you asked me my kind of harebrained Super Bowl. And I said, Cleveland, L.A. And Cleveland, unfortunately, has disappointed me greatly. But the Rams still have a chance, and I don't have the most faith in them. I said, if I was just being logical, I said it's going to be Chiefs-Bucks rematch. Well, I think the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. I've been saying that for probably a month now on the podcast. I, I, I don't see them not winning. I, I, I said before the season, I thought Brady was going to win the MVP. I, I think he's going to. Uh, and they they just find ways to win games. They click on all cylinders. And Green Bay, they got Baltimore this week. I think they'll win. Then they have Cleveland. But I don't – is Aaron Rodgers going to play every game? You know, Are they going to have home field because of his whatever toe injury, COVID toe or whatever the hell else he's telling Pat McAfee? Uh, but, um, I, I just think the, the bucks are the team that I look at and say, taught the bottom, they have the best team. And unfortunately it's going to be another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If you bet against Tom Brady, it's a stupid bet. Oh, I agree. I've been betting against him for 10 years and I always, yeah. so that's where you arrive a little bit bitter, but yeah. it's, yeah, if that's, that's the case, I mean, I, I like that you kind of hold to your guns, Tampa Bay. They do mm-hmm. look good. They're ten and three. They they look like mm-hmm. a well-oiled machine. Uh, experience. You look at their schedule down the stretch. It it's pretty soft end of year. It's light again, and yeah. if they can go in healthy too, it's just yeah. like they don't age. You know, Tom Brady doesn't age. The Gronk doesn't age. It's these guys that yeah. they get around Tom Brady, and then they're you know twenty five again. Right. So yeah, to me the NFC is tight though. It's not a cakewalk. Oh, it's it's loaded. Yeah, there's some really it's good loaded. Teams. And yeah. I mean, a team like San Francisco, they look good too. They could come in and like that's a that's one of those lower in you know one B, mm-hmm. let's say. Right. But I think San Francisco could do damage. Washington, I don't think I'm sold on at all. No. Um, I, there. I think Philly can make the playoff. I think they'll get their that last seed. The last. Uh, I, the NFC is so bad when it comes to who's going to make the play. That last playoff spot is going to be just a who knows. Like the Eagles play the. The Washington football team this weekend, again, the uh, the uh, Washington football team is just ravaged with COVID. So who knows what's going to, if who's going to play. And then you got Washington uh, football, you know, they, Eagles, I think are pretty good, but you know, there's Minnesota in there who, who the hell knows what week to week, they just like to change. How do you like there's, me now? Was that, was that Kirk Cousins? Uh, you like that? that? Yeah, that's right. You like that? Yeah. Uh, you got Atlanta in there, who I don't like at all. New Orleans, like, it, there's whoever gets that final playoff spot's gonna lose to Tampa or Green Bay, whoever has that second seed. Yeah, that's to me, that's an outlier. Like, but I find other than that, like, I, I like San Francisco way better than a Philly or Washington going in. Right. Um, yeah, if Arizona played San Francisco, that'd be an interesting game. That would be an interesting game. And if uh, to me, out of those teams, I would like, I think Minnesota would be the strongest opposition. Right. Yes. Right. Just because, yeah. let's say they had to go to Green Bay. Well, they're in the same division. 
they they're familiar with them. It's nothing. And I mean, they got some, they got some aces in the holes in Minnesota. So I, I would like to see personally myself, I'd sooner see Minnesota in the playoffs just because they have that history and that, mm-hmm. you know, they have some tools there. Delvin cook and well, cousins is cousins, but it would be an interesting game. I would much sooner see green Bay, Minnesota in the playoffs than green Bay, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Or whatever, but again, they'll yeah, get the Taylor. Ball, so. Don't call me Tyler Heineke. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not. He's not jumping off anybody's page. Let's be sure. But the Dallas, we haven't really talked about Dallas. What do you think about mm-hmm. them? Like they're America's team. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, um, the people in Texas, maybe. Um, they. I love their defense. Them. I love their defense, and I. I still think the teams that play great defense and run the ball effectively are the best teams in the NFL. Some things just never change. And I look at like Aaron Rodgers has been great this year, but their defense has been legit. When Kansas city was stinking it up on offense for a month and change, their defense stepped up. Tyron Matthews getting uh, interceptions, making big plays. And I look at a team like Dallas, Micah Parsons, is a godsend. He's been phenomenal for them. Trayvon Diggs on the back end. They they have some of the best pass rush in the NFL with Gregory back and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. So I I like their defense a ton. And Parsons why I would say, MVP. yeah, Parsons MVP candidate this year. Yes, if if only he played on offense, he might have a chance. Uh, yeah. Because he, like, <laughs> he, can't give, he can't give it to a defensive player or a wide receiver. Uh, but I. I think they're. I trust Dak to find it again. Zeke looks hurt to me. Tony Pollard might be out, but you look at their wide receiver position. It so much depth. CD uh, galloping and uh, Cooper. It's hard to beat that three in the NFL anywhere. So if it, it, it you know, you just have that stigma. We talk about certain teams. I mean, the Cowboys do Cowboys things, and you just yeah. you automatically assume they'll find ways to lose games and not find ways to win them. Yeah, I agree with that. The Cowboys do, you know, the history kind of repeats itself. But I also like the thing about Dallas this year is I don't find they're the ones that are the infinite hype, like in years gone by. Right. Like they're right. just kind of under the radar a little bit this year. And again, that's something that is fun to watch for me because usually it's Dallas, 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 Dallas. It's been all Green Bay. It's been all Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, right. I find, is all mm-hmm. I'm hearing. So the fact that Dallas can just kind of shuffle into the playoffs, middle of the pack, and hopefully maybe do some damage in there. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Dallas fan, but I do. They're always fun to have in there. You need that kind of the storyline. Yeah, you need the Dallas storyline, and I think they could be, you know, somebody that we could be talking about down the road too in that NFC. It's so tough. It's so strong. Whoever comes out of that division, if they can survive it, I would say is going to be our Super Bowl champion. But they, well, maybe not. Not with KC waiting because mm-hmm. I'd say the AFC is a lot softer than the NFC. Right. So whoever comes out of that's going to be banged up. Yeah, it's it's going to be a war, a war for sure because there's some really like you said. I one of my one of the funnest teams to watch for me, and I don't think they'll have a lot of playoff success is the Cardinals because Kyler's a lot of fun to watch. Him and his little legs just escape from the pocket and then run, him run around like it. They're fun, but I I don't trust them to win the win the big game yet. We'll see. Um, you mentioned Micah Parsons as a MVP you know, maybe in the mix, kind of not a front runner, but in the, you know, favorite category. Um, who's the MVP of the league right now, if you had a vote? Well, again, it's, it's we've had the same conversation for five years. It's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you know? <laughs> so those are the top two, I would say right now, in my mind. I don't think it's Patrick Mahomes yet. No. Uh, my personal pick, I would pick um, Herbert, just because I like him. You know, if they could, if they would have won that game and they would have mm-hmm. finished atop the division, I think he might have been in consideration. Right. And I'd say Jonathan Taylor. Like, I mean, he's. I'd love to see him win it. He's to me. He's those are two names that I think would be refreshing, like a new storyline. Okay, the next generation, but it's going to mm-hmm. be the same to you know Monday night football, Thursday night football. That's you know, there's I don't know. So if I had to pick, I would say it's Aaron Rodgers, close second, Tom Brady. Depends how the year ends, I guess, would be the final answer. Where do you stand? It's interesting because uh, obviously the media gets to vote. And 
sometimes the media likes, to, like you said, likes to vote for the new kid on the block, likes to vote for the new story. And I think Josh Allen was a, before the season, he had a lot of play that yep. is gone. You mentioned Herbert would be refreshing. He's had an okay season. I, I, I think he hasn't done enough. So you come back to, like you said, the two mainstays, but for the media, I, if, whether this is right or wrong, I, I just think it, it happens. And I don't think that um, Aaron Rodgers will get the vote because of his whole COVID situation. Whether people agree with that or not, that's just how I see it. I think the media can be cynics and they, they will hold that against you. What, interest, what will interest me is people love Tom Brady some places. They hate him in others. And for media people... Are you going to be so mad that you're kind of like, uh, kind of like you? You're angry to see him keep doing well. He's in the Super Bowl every year. It's, it's boring. It's not refreshing. It's not new. That you say, you know, we're not going to vote for him just for spite. And because to me, I don't know how he doesn't win the MVP right now. I think he's been the best player in the NFL. But I don't trust the media to just vote for the best player. I never do. I, you know, I think there's people. You know, Derek Jeter didn't get 100% of the Hall of Fame vote in baseball because one guy probably didn't like him because he picked up a girl he's trying to get at the bar. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how they, you know, how they go through that when you have two guys that aren't exactly the most popular people in the NFL with Rodgers and with Tom Brady. Yeah, well, Derek Jeter, we can talk about that another day. He's, statistically, he's not that good on his stats. And he's a Derek winner. Jeter. Yeah, he's a winner, but he's not 100% Hall of Famer. Captain. He's a captain. What? He's a captain. What? Yeah, he's the captain. Anyway, we'll talk captain about Jeter another time. Too. We'll do a baseball podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you think Aaron Rodgers is is going to be kind of uh, punished balls. for his stance, blackballed, yeah. and Tom yeah. Brady? They're going to punish him because it's too often. So then, who do you go with? Do you go well, with the I, running I, back? I do think Tom. I'm just I'm interested to see how much maybe percentage of the votes Brady gets because I do think over the next four weeks these writers that are kind of saying we don't want to vote for Tom Brady, they need that second person to emerge. And maybe right. if Jonathan Taylor has a game tonight where yep. Patriots load the box and it looks like they can't beat him and he goes for a buck 50 in three tubs, it, that would be a good little you know Saturday night standalone game. That would be a good little storyline to throw in on Monday. Be like, well, Jonathan Taylor's having a great year and he's the best back in football. Now that Derrick Henry's out, like maybe that could get some play. But I, I think we need to see that second option emerge to really make this interesting. Could the second option be Mahomes? Is there enough time yeah. left in the season? He could slip in there, right? Yeah, if he, if his last three games are legit, like if they if they play really really well, if they win out potentially, yeah, for sure. Um, so there's the the third. It's, he played to me, great. I have. Go ahead. Sorry, no. No, I said he played great Thursday night, so that doesn't hurt his case. Yeah. And yeah, he looked like Mahomes of old. Yeah. Um, I have an issue with the MVP because to me, it's like, are you the most, there's such, so much confusion with the MVP in terms of what it really entails. Right. Uh, that you look at some of these teams that is, to me, it's the most popular player, more hmm. or less. And again, you have to be good. Don't get me wrong. But like MVPs, there's guys on those defensive ends, like Miles Garrett, like those guys are MVPs. You don't win Donald. You don't win games right. without those guys but they're not obvious plays they're not people mm -hmm. maybe they're not as common household names so most valuable versus most important player i just have an issue with the award and what it means you can't get the mvp if you're on a bad team well like you look at cincinnati without burrows this year they're terrible right he's yeah. he's doing well without so it's guys like that that kind of get lost in the shovel and again he's not an mvp candidate but it's an example of a player that's making their team much better than they should be based on pure talent right. so and again even like taylor like without him that team is not where they are today so it's yeah i have an issue with mvp and what it really means and the criteria is so, so vague and, and i hate that it has to go to a quarterback because there are teams like you just mentioned there are teams where the quarterback's not the most important player on the team like right. in san francisco jimmy garoppolo is not the most important player I think Debo Samuel is a far more important player when it comes to their offense creativity. Uh, Kittle, even you look at the defense, uh, Fred Warner. Like so, I, Minnesota. If Kirk Cousins your most important player, that's why you're losing every year because right. he, you know that. So I, 
the fact that it has to be a quarterback that we haven't had one in so long, the same thing with the Heisman Trophy, like it was so refreshing to see Devontae Smith win it a year ago instead of just giving it to Mac Jones, the obvious quarterback in that situation. But the NFL, I just think it has to, it's a quarterback award. And what happens every year is they give offensive player of the year to a non-quarterback. Like this year, it'll probably go to Cooper Cup because he's been that, you know, great or Jonathan Taylor, but it can't go to a non-quarterback. Well, then again, we know the NFL, their most valuable person is the quarterback. That's what they like. That's this, essentially yeah. that's the marketing campaign. You don't know the offensive or def- defensive line. So in that sense, maybe that's why it's kind of associated with kind of selling the game and, you know, mm-hmm. highlighting their stars. But let's have a best quarterback then. Let's have, you know what I mean? It's like the Vesna trophy. Let's just focus on goaltenders. Yeah. yeah, let's look at the Norris trophy for defenders. So, I mean, that's something too that you could look at, but. Anyways, yeah, we'll see. I, I I don't care if Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady win it. Really, that's snore. Let's see what they do in the playoffs. And I think both those guys would say that doesn't really matter. It's it's what happens at the end of uh, in 2022. Who's holding the the trophy Lombardi, at the end? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agreed. Yeah, it's definitely small potatoes. I think Brady. It would it would maybe mean you know I think he could flaunt it being 44 and you know another thing to put on the old trophy case for him, but. Yeah, if Rodgers doesn't win another Super Bowl here soon, he's never going to win one because he keeps losing in NFC Championship games. So pressure on him down the stretch. Um, fun chat today. Uh, lots, lots happening in the NFL as always. Um, so you said you got you got the Pats tonight over the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pats tonight. I, yeah. Again, I probably in my pool I'm going to pick the Colts just because I got to make up some ground. But I would say normally <laughs> in a normal day I take the Pats. So right. I'm a bit behind. I got to make up some ground on the on the pool. Yeah, no, um, should be should be a fun game tonight. Some fun games this weekend. Like I said, we got games Monday, Tuesday. So it's just around the clock. Uh, You're going to be exhausted. You're going to yeah, be exhausted. <laughs> I don't sleep that much anyway, so that's probably better for me. Uh, but. Adam, thanks for making the time, man. I really appreciate Always love our chats. And um, happy holidays to you, uh, Melissa, and the kids. And, uh, you know, be well uh, into the new year, my friend. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me, know. And, again, you're doing a great job. And anytime I can get on, I'd love to get on with you. Awesome. We'll, we'll right. reconnect in the playoffs. And uh, to everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the support. And have a great weekend.